back. You've landed on episode number 10. We have been doing these episodes for 10 weeks. Thank you so much for listening. If you've liked what you've heard so far, make sure to like and follow us on Instagram and follow us on our YouTube page. Check out all the links below. You can check out all episodes, episodes one through 10. All right. So I'm Dr. Tasani Watts, and I think you know all of my other co-hosts here, but I'll still let them introduce themselves. All right, go ahead, you guys. Let them know who you are. Hi, I'm Dr. Rochelle Sharkey. Dr. Cortez Lewis. Proud of solo for day. And we're the three percent. So this is our final episode of season one, and this is the question and answer section. All right, so we asked you guys to send in the questions that you had, things that you want to know about us, about our journeys, things that we may have not touched on in our previous episodes. So the first question that we have is, what do you wish you knew before going to optometry school? So I'm gonna hand this over to Dr. Fidehi and he's gonna get us started. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, it's kind of hard to answer because when you look back, you've got a million things going through your head, you know, and it's, it's hard to make it as personal as possible. I'm gonna try to make it personal. So for me, now that I'm in the stage that I'm in, what I wish I knew was how, like, to kind of go back to why we've been doing this podcast is really how scarce uh, Black people were in, in these spaces. I really didn't pay attention that much to it until I was one of, of three Black guys in a class full of 100 students. Um, really, when you say you're 3% of the, the, the school's population across the nation, I mean, uh, I mean, we're talking about out of 100%. I mean, that's just absolutely mind-boggling in and of itself. And I don't think I was privy to that information going in. I think you just think, I'm trying to pursue this, but you don't realize, like, you're, there's not a lot of you there, right? So when you finally get to that destination, and when I was in school, I, I started to feel uh, imposter syndrome. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a, it's like this, it's, it's this feeling of like, I don't know why, I don't know how I'm here or why I'm here, but I feel guilty for being here for some reason, because I'm like, I don't know if I'm even good enough to be here. You know what I'm saying? Like you start going through this sense of like obscurity because you're like kind of kind of isolated, not necessarily because you you don't feel like you're you're able to be a part of the group, but it's just you feel isolated because you're just the only one that looks like you in a lot of the spaces that you're in. Sometimes you're in a lab or a classroom or or, or an assignment in a group, and you're just the only one whether it's you're, you're a black woman or a black male. And, uh, and it's kind of tough because, you know, you have to learn to uh, fight through those feelings. You have to learn to, you know, overcome that. And I think that that's part of what kind of made my journey a little bit more unique was because I had to learn to push through some of that adversity of like, yo, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this because I'm not even your typical, you know what I mean? Like, I used to think, yay, you go to these, I used to think, I hate to say it like this, but I used to think like nerds were the ones who like, you know what I'm saying? And I never considered myself like, I'm like, I'm a jock. Like I don't, not even like that, to be honest. So you gotta do like me. I'm a real, you know what I mean? From, you know what I mean? You got someone like me in your program. Hey, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how I did it, but I just, I, I felt the type of way about it. And at the end of the day, I think that, um, you know, now looking back, I, I, think, it, I think it was special. Um, being a, 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 a rare find, uh, uh, I guess you'll call it a, uh, what do you call them things? A unicorn. A unicorn, thank you very much. I'll take that. 
I, I feeling like a unicorn, you know, I think it was pretty special being able to go through college, like, because you didn't realize, you thought when you're in undergrad and you have all your friends and everybody looks like you and everyone's like you, I'm like, yo, would y'all even believe the fact that when I got to terms of school, that's the first time I've been around any, uh, anybody other than my race? Like, I've never been around anyone that's not really, you know, black or Nigerian or, or you know what I'm saying? So, or African. So that was a real eye-opening experience for me to be amongst different cultures and be cultured and to learn how to live amongst other people. That was a very unique and dynamic experience for me. But there's those moments, I felt those moments of, of, of kind of darkness, weakness, almost in a way um, of just feeling like, yo, like, I don't even know, like, where is everybody else at? Why we ate more? Why? Why isn't there more of us in here? You know what I'm saying? You start feeling it. I remember we went to academy, and I think there was maybe five or six black dudes. I don't like 5,000. I don't know how many people at academy at that time. We went to 1,000 students, and we were counting them. There go one. The next day, we see another one. The next day, we see another one. And at the end of the day, it starts to rub you the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I think that's why podcasts like this are important, because we're trying to spread the awareness of what we're doing so that people understand that, yo, this is not only a popular profession, um, but we live in the profession, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like we need to be more in the profession so people can start to see and witness kind of what we bring to the table um, as black people. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm gonna hit it on a different level though, because for me, I kind of came from undergrad, like kind of a perfectionist, never really had a lot of setbacks or drawbacks when I was going through school. And I'm like, okay, optometry school, like, yeah, this is gonna be cool, this will be a breeze. Got the optometry school, and yeah, was completely shocked by, we had our first test, and I'm like, hold on, th thinking I'm about to do really good on the test, and yeah, that test didn't go. I think it was like our first, like, histology. I'm really, or no, it might have been anatomy thinking I'm about to do really good, and yeah, yeah, I didn't do good. So <laughs> I was quickly put into this perspective of, okay, Rochelle, you really have to reevaluate not only your study habits, but, you know, all these people, I'm over here thinking I'm studying well and all that, and, you know, other people have different ways of studying, and here I was in my head thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to do good, and I wasn't. And, you know, you kind of make start comparing yourself when you get into these programs and looking at other people like, oh, they're doing better than me and all this. And, you know, you have to kind of get to that point in your mind that we are all different. You know, what I'm going through is going to be completely different from what you're going through. And basically, there's going to be these drawbacks and these setbacks that are going to happen and you have to be prepared for that. So just being mentally aware and mentally secure, knowing that you can have that confidence and build that in yourself to know that you're gonna get through this. It's not gonna be the end of the world if you fail a test. Mm -hmm. And basically that this isn't the end. You, you, you have to build that confidence in yourself to get to, to that finish line. And I kind of had to learn that on the way. And I wish I knew that going in because I, my head was up here. I thought I was it but I wasn't. So, you know, there's definitely a lot that came with that and, you know, what I've learned and what I went through. And when I'm telling you I went through some stuff in optometry school, yeah, I, I, I really went through. So we'll touch on that a little bit later, but, you know, definitely don't let your drawbacks 
be a setback for your future. You, you're going to have these, these changes that come with this is new. This is something that none of us really knew going in. I'm thinking optometry school wasn't going to be that hard. And it actually was kind of stressful. And I think a lot of times we kind of forget that these were, you know, stressful times. We got past it. But if we were to go back and do it all over again, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know you guys, but optometry school was stressful. I'm not going to lie, but we, you know, mm -hmm. there's definitely ways that we kind of went about dealing with our, uh, we'll get into that too. Yeah. But so I guess, but before you go, go there, before you can go there, um, you, you were saying something like, just even with like how you felt you came into it with like this certain level of like, oh, I'm all that in the bag of chips, I'm smart and all this, and you compare yourself. Like talking about like how like really, it ain't even really just the, like how smart you are. I think it's just like the, the cause tell people like how many tests we take every, like people don't understand. It's not like being in school isn't about, you're not smart enough, nah, it's fatigue. Yeah. Like do you understand how much, how many things we have to do in one, like one day, one week? Right. Talk, talk about like what, what that was like for you, like every week. What is the expectation of an optometry student every week? A lot. It's a lot. Every, and it would be what, every Mondays. Every Monday, you were guaranteed to have a test. Every Monday. That was then you year, Monday. And the second year, it was Monday and Wednesday. Sometimes Friday, too. Okay, keep Jesus. going. Keep mm -hmm. going. So not only did you have to study every week, <laughs> but you had to be prepared for your OTM, your checkouts and all this other stuff. So you kind of had to have this big course load of knowing, okay, like I have this, this and this, trying to juggle all of this at the same time while still being mentally prepared for the next test, for the next checkout, you know, that we had. So, right. It's and, like study, and it's like the study material is like, not like how it is an undergrad. Like you you got to study a little bit for the tip. Nah, you got to study a book <laughs> of information for the tip. Like, that's the thing that people don't understand. Like, one test is like this much information, a book. Yeah, it's not a quiz. It's like a like test, test. Smart, It's like a midterm. Like, when you got 150 slides per, <laughs> per class that you got to go through and you got, it's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's beyond what y'all can even imagine. So yeah. I, I would say, I would agree with you solo on that part. I would say that in undergrad, a whole semester. So when you get into optometry school, a whole semester of undergrad work is the first test in optometry school. It's a lot of information you got to go through. And you have to be efficient when you go through it because not only do you have that one course that's loaded, you also have a bunch of other courses that you got to fit in. So time management is very important when you're looking at it from that aspect. I will say there's a saying we had. Uh, what's the saying, Solar? Study to me, baby. Study to me, man. C equals OD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually had two saves at, at back. Two saves. C equals to me, man. I wouldn't exactly. I'm still getting them, but <laughs> so, yeah, so 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 what they're saying, we we want to strive for A's, B's, that's great. But when you have so much coursework and so much information to go through, mm -hmm. sometimes you may not make that A or that B. Sometimes you have to be okay with saying, I made the C this time, I'll do better next time. You I'll have to be okay with that. Trip. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is that it was a lot of students in the courses and the class that they're not used to making C's and B's. They're used to always making A's. So when they got that first C or they failed that first class, they could not pull themselves back up to a level of being efficient. Me? I ain't never been an A student. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So for me, Preach. all I need to do, I can I make a B? Can I make a C? Yes. So in my, <laughs> from my perspective, I'm looking at it as, can you be consistent? Can you maintain throughout this course of four years of optometry school? Yeah. And that's what it was for me. Can you keep making the grades? Yeah. I, let, I finished with a B average, but I was never really the student to make A's, but I did hang around with students that did make A's. I did pick the brains of a Brian and, and other students who were at the top of the class who can kind of help me out on the side, help a brother out, man, what you know? Because these guys coming out of tests, they know they're acing. So you will literally leave a test and go find the A students to see what they put on a particular question on that right. test. And that's how we learn. And I would say, Another big part of just being consistent, not always making the best grades, is that when you don't make A's and B's all the time, or you sometimes you just barely make it through a class, those are the best learning experiences. Because we come out of that test asking like, man, why did I miss that? Oh, I put this, why did you put that? So we're looking at like learning experiences from your failures that you now, it, it stays with you when you start to practice in the real world. So I always yeah. say, C equals OD, that's the saying. We strive to do better than that. But again, I always say maintain consistency, maintain sanity, and keep a well-rounded personality about yourself. So you're not only there for school, you also live life. These are essential parts of your life and your growth as a, as a youth, as a student. However you see yourself, it's not just all about the books. You have to be a real well-rounded person, which we've always sort of talked about that. <clears throat> C equals OD, consistency equals OD. There you go. I like that. There you go. Yeah, it all come full circle like that. And I know you want to move on, Tasani. I know you want to move on, but no, I got to. Okay. Keep going. Now that we're talking about this, I, I got to take this moment, man, three years later to, to, to really shout out all the people that helped me help, you know, you, me and you, Cortez, we was in it together a lot of time to help us kind of get through this, man. Like you, you mentioned, Certain people like uh, like Brian really held it down. I got to shout out Heather. I got to shout out uh, Becca, man. I got second year, man. Y'all held it down for your boy, man. I got to shout y'all out, man. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Okay. You go ahead. We go ahead. I mean, I think they all touched on a real good point. For the amount of work that we had, the amount of tests that we had, it really did build up a lot of resilience in all of us we could rebound really quickly we learned what we needed to know what was important what maybe wasn't quite as important but what we needed to know to be good in clinic and i feel like that all really compounded itself once we were seeing real patients we take it from the book and like oh it's in the book like never gonna actually see that like why am i learning this and then we actually see it in clinic it's like oh now i know why they taught us that and that kind of leads into the next question that we got from a couple of different people from our podcast and it is did does the reality match the expectation right so when you were in school does the real world match what you thought it would be and i'm going to lead it over to cortez to get us started on that question so i'm going to say that the first two years of school is basically just the book work can you get through the coursework when you get to third year you first start to get your first experience into the clinic life I will say that in clinic, you can spend three to four hours on one patient. And what that means is that you're not efficient. You really don't know what, you, what you're doing. You're taking book knowledge and trying to apply it to clinic life. And sometimes it doesn't connect just like that. So in, in addition to that, the preceptors, your the instructors, people that are over you in those clinics, they're having you do every single test in the book to make sure you know the knowledge you know how to use these different skill sets if they were presented to you in the real world setting so in real life you're not getting three four hours on a patient 
You know, when you get out into the real world, you have to be efficient. You have to make decisions very quickly at an yep. instant. So yep. going from three, four hours in clinic and then moving out to your external rotations, well, you were probably like an hour, maybe, a little mm -hmm. less if you get efficient. But in the real world, especially if a corporate setting where it's all about volume, you need to be able to talk them patients out in 10 to 15 minutes. 20 mm -hmm. minutes if you're lucky. 10 yes. minutes, you see that? 10 minutes. So... That being said, you do have a little bit of help. So you got your, your technicians, you got the front staff, they check them in, they bring the patients to the back, they pre-test. So a lot of the stuff you would do on your own in the clinic, when you get into the real world, you have technicians and other people to kind of help you out, be more efficient. So by the time the patient gets to you, you're just doing your, you're hitting the big stuff. You're hitting your points. You're checking the boxes based on what they presented you or based on what the patient complaint was for that day. So you are, it goes from like being a robot in clinic and just doing random things just to get approval to almost being like, what do you see today? What is this patient sitting in my seat for today? What are they telling me? I'm listening. Now, how can I apply the knowledge that, that I have to kind of address the patient's problem? So real life setting, decisions are quick. Uh, follow-ups, different things like that, you have to get used to. And even those are even quicker. A follow-up, five minutes, you know, be problem-specific, get the patient in, get them out, get on to your next patient. So we're constantly moving. And a lot of these settings, you can see upwards of 20 to 30 people a day, unless you're in private practice where your schedule may be reduced. Then you might have time to do one or two patients an hour. But real world, you got to chunk them out. You got to be able to make quick decisions. And that's what they pay us for. They pay us for our knowledge. All these years of schooling is for our knowledge. So when you come in there, the patient knows that, hey, this doctor has this degree. This doctor knows what they're doing. They're coming to see you for your professionalism. So you're going from being a student to a doctor. That four years, you grow a lot. You learn how to put things together. And things start to make sense after a while. But at first, it just seemed like, why am I learning all this knowledge just for memorization, just to pass the test? And then when you get to clinic, it's like, wow, I actually remember that random fact that I thought was irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And it came, it came to a point where it was actually useful information. So right. I do think there's a difference between starting out what you see in clinic and then getting into the real world where, nah, you don't have all that time. And, then, and if you did, you wouldn't make a lot of money if you were spending all day on one patient. You know, I understand the relationship part of it. But there's ways to make your relationship with the patient more efficient. Even in that small amount of time, you can make the exam very efficient to the patient if you're verbalizing everything, if you're explaining your findings, if you're being personable and not looking like you're rushed. In a 10-minute exam, 15-minute exam, that's very quick. But you don't need to be in the room moving like it's quick. Still move around, still do your things as normal. But in your head, you know that, okay, I got a lobby full of people. How can I get this patient in, address their concern, and then move on to the next patient? But being verbal, saying to the patient, treating them as a person and not a number is very important to seeing patients in that short amount of time. And they remember that. So I say patients do appreciate me for that part of it. Even though the exams are short, they don't feel like it's short. They feel like I was the most thorough. I was the best they seen. Or, oh, you're so great. And I'm like, wow, am I? But I, I know that I am, but it's like... <laughs> Knowing where you came from and knowing where you are today, it's just really all about efficiency. Yeah, I remember when we were in clinic and I was like, oh, we have three hours to see a patient? That felt so long until you see a patient, you're in there for four hours, and you're just like, oh, that was not long. And then you move on to your next room chips, and like, you have an still hour to see a patient. Four hours, still didn't know what you was doing. <laughs> and like, yeah, so you're like in there three, four hours, and you're like, well, I think their glasses is this, and I think they might have like, 
a cataract or maybe it's glaucoma, but like, I, I don't really know. No, I mean, if you're not, podcast, glaucoma and cataracts are like very different. It's like the sun and the moon. It's like two completely th different things. Like more like, probably like the sun and the ocean. Like they're just, they're never going to be the same thing. But when you're a student, you easily confuse things that to, to a student, like, oh, this is similar, but to as someone who's a doctor, like, how, like, how the heck do you make a mistake like that? Then you move on to externships, and you have an hour, and you're like, oh, my God, like, that's so quick. Like, how am I supposed to see a patient from start to finish in an hour? And you graduate, and you get your job, and you're like, all right, you're scheduled every 15 minutes. You're like, so what am I supposed to do with that? Like, I don't, I, I can't think that fast. Like, but you do. So literally, like, they pay us what they pay us because we were able to do a three hour exam in our head within 10 to 15 minutes. You're able to like make all those snap decisions in your head while still being calm and still taking care of that patient and still being able to make that patient feel like they're the most important person that you're seeing that day. Because you have to remember like there may be 30 people on your schedule, but they came into the exam to see you like for their day, like you're their doctor for that year. Like they don't want to be rushed. They want to feel heard. They want to make sure that you're doing everything that they need you to do. They need to feel heard. So you have to be calm and be able to handle that. I know for me, I was just shocked at how quick I had to do contact lens exams because in contact lens clinic, we saw like four people a day. You have like all these different follow-up visits and then they're like, all right, so you have like specialty contact lens fit at one appointment, then a multifocal fit the next appointment, then a new contact lens exam right after that. And I'm just like, uh, so I'm supposed to see like, 20 new contact lens people in one day how like how exactly is that supposed to work out and like you get it the more you do it the better you get at it but like in school I don't really feel like you ever think that you'll see patients as quickly as you need to see them and then you never actually think you'll see the crazy cases like you never think you'll see like a five-year-old who's gonna go blind or you see someone who's 20 diagnosed with end-stage glaucoma like you don't think you'll actually see that if you learn about it in school or like so these random like congenital anomalies you're like wait that really exists like I really just thought that was in a textbook like I didn't think I was going to see it I definitely didn't think I was going to see it as frequently as I do so I think that's definitely something different than I I didn't expect at all and then the next question that we have is can I piggyback off of that Tassani because even when you're going off of your expectations of, like you said seeing stuff that you don't think you're going to see there's a lot of times that in your reality of what you think about commercial you're not expecting that you're going to see all this crazy stuff walking in you're kind of in your head in school you're like oh they just do you know in and out refractions all day but you see a lot of disease in mm -hmm. in corporate settings too and i think there's a lot of misinterpretations with that too um you know just the variety i've seen mm -hmm. so so many things just being in a corporate setting with disease and all this other stuff that you may not <laughs> think you would you would see in that type of setting i think that's good rochelle because people come into corporate settings just any type of like basic primary care office because they need glasses right they don't know sometimes that like glasses aren't going to fix their issues they have no idea they just know the current glasses they have aren't working well or they've never worn glasses and they feel like things are more blurry now for whatever reason and they have no idea that it's because they may have glaucoma or they have uncontrolled diabetes or they may have had like a history of not seeing well to one eye for like 
their entire life but one day they just went like this like oh wait like I don't see as well out of one eye and like they had no idea until they checked it so they make an appointment and then you have to figure it out and they're like oh glasses can fix it and you're like mm, no but like you are their point of entry yeah like you'll have like a d oh i'm just here for my dmv i literally had a guy come in just because he failed the dmv he <clears throat> was macular hole one eye mm -hmm. stage glaucoma both eyes and he was only about 24. like how do you go in mm -hmm. thinking that okay i'm just gonna get my little form written out in a corporate setting, I had to go through and really explain to this guy what was going on with his eyes, and he had no idea. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that that that, that, that kind of goes into like, and everything you guys are saying is, is I mean, that's it's, it's it's that's what it is every day. Like, because it's mm -hmm. two things. One, it's two things. One, it's like sometimes, like really, our profession is so cool because we we get to like bring so much joy. To people's lives like giving them vision and sight and and things that it's just i mean the, the gift of sight is so vastly you know uh under underappreciated because it's like listen if you lost your sight what would that do to your life right but like sometimes we do have to be the bearer of bad news and and i mean sometimes we have to have conversations that are tough because you know we as the gatekeepers to the body like people don't understand like the eye is the gatekeeper mm -hmm. to your body i will most oftentimes be the first person to tell somebody you've got x y and z and like i had no idea well i can tell because i'm already i'm looking at it through your eyes right so we as the gatekeepers sometimes will be the first one to tell somebody what's going on with the eyes you know we can detect cancer we can detect diabetes high blood pressure we can detect all kinds of stds i could detect if you got herpes you know, I could tell off, hey, I, I and listen. they do come into the office. They hey, do. What? And they'll be like, I have what? How'd I get that? They, Why can't you how you got it? And and you know, and it's crazy the stuff the labs we can order for people that will tell them all the autoimmune conditions. I mean, it's crazy the eyes really gonna be the gatekeeper. So so there's that aspect of it, but then I think it's also so cool because in our like in a setting that I'm in also, which is corporate. I mean, yeah, you get in this kind of monotonous role of you're just here to do this, but then some something like that comes in, and and hope and and it, it's it's cool because it goes back to what everyone's saying, like um like you're okay, you're doing your glasses, you're doing your contacts, and then somebody comes in, boom, they can't see, and it's a uh, it's a central retinal vein occlusion, it's a stroke in the eye, and boom, immediately. This is the cool thing about being optometrist, your brain goes a mil around the world and back in ten seconds, like in literally you think about it you have to think so quickly mm -hmm. mm -hmm. because and, and it's not just you know and you i mean you got to stop what you think and you got to focus on saving and believe it or not like we save lives you know like mm -hmm. i mean we've probably all been a part of a case that we're like yo if this patient didn't see me or we didn't we not only saved their eye we probably saved their life and so, so there's, I mean, it's, it, that's why the professor is so cool. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, my, and, and even to answer the question for, for me, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that people could come in with like 15 different things in one visit. You know, you think it's just going to be one thing, but people are allowed to come in with blurry vision for glasses, dry eyes, red eyes, uh, 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 glaucoma, diabetes, <laughs> high blood pressure. I mean, they, they are allowed. 
they are allowed to come in with whatever they want to come in with. And we have to address every single thing in 10 minutes. That's what y'all don't understand. So it, it gets very, um, very elaborate sometimes, you know what I'm saying? But I think that's the beauty of optometry, man. You just never know what you're going to get when you meet that patient. Yeah. I hope Rochelle, I know you took that driver's license, right? <laughs> you didn't let her walk out of there. Eh? <laughs> Yeah, now we gotta restrict that. We gotta restrict nah. that. We gotta restrict that thing. Yeah, it wasn't a good good day for him. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say to this day, I'm still shocked by how should I put this? How many people walk around with poor vision and think it's okay, right? Like I get so many patients who come in, and they are correctable. These aren't the people who have an issue that glasses can't fix. Glasses can't help them. They just never knew that. Like I've had young moms come in who are like minus two or three myopes, never worn glasses. And I see them walking in carrying their baby. And I'm like, do you wear glasses? Like, no, like I had glasses when I was like in high school, maybe like mid twenties and I broke them. And like, I just don't wear them anymore. I'm like, do you run into things? Like, yeah, like I can't really see things. So I'm like right up on them and I'm pushing the stroller in the grocery store. Like I'll hit people and like, <clears throat> she thinks this is normal. Like, and then I give her glasses. Like, I should have been seeing like this my whole life. Like, and they have no idea that it's correctable. Like stuff like that, I know really, it really shocks me. And I, it happens on a regular basis. And I didn't expect that at all. I'll Especially like if you had like poor vision. I mean, kind of knew about it. And they I knew know. it was fixable with glasses. I'm saying minus six. It'd be some people coming <laughs> like, what? Oh, I oh but minus that. four, like three, two, three, you're carrying a baby, like pushing the stroller, like you're PCP, <laughs> you're OB. And, 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 and they drove in. And they drove. I be like, yo, I, I be like, yo, you, I said, yo, you, you drove like that? Yeah. I said, <laughs> yep, you know what? I the next time I'm behind you, I'm just going to come on to the right. Cause I'm gonna go to swerve. <laughs> listen, I ain't got time to be behind you. <laughs> be like, I see fine in the daytime, just at night. But you're minus three. You mm -hmm. don't see anything during the daytime. Like, can you read road signs? No, I just want my glasses. I don't have glasses. Why? Like, <laughs> guys, this is the this is the stuff that we go through and we talk about almost Ed. I mean, we could we could go for hours on this kind of stuff, but this is the stuff that we, you know what I mean, that we, that we deal with on a day-to-day, patient-to-patient basis. So it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's dope, man. It's just, it's dope, man. But we, we really get to be a huge part of the community, man, and we get to give something that is just so precious, man, so. Yeah, our job, they're definitely very important. I think that we take it for granted, but we do play a major role in people's, in people's lives is helping give them vision, like giving people's vision is a true gift, and I'm just really glad that we're able to do that. You know what's cool? You know what's what? cool is that, every, you know, everybody at least, everybody might not go see every doctor, but everybody at least one time in their life, one time, is going to come see the eye doctor. At least one time. That's pretty cool. Some people never go, but at least some, at some point, everybody's going to say, let me go there. Let me go see my eye doctor. Let me go see what he's talking about real quick. You know what I mean? I ain't seeing like I want to see. Let me just go. Let me go. Yeah. You know <laughs> That's how you know. That's how they do. 
Hey, Wait, we, we I, I, here. I got here. You just felt like you want to go see one? Oh, true. All right, we can talk about this topic for hours, but let me wrap it up. Let's go to our next question. Our next question from the audience. And it was, how did you keep yourself sane in optometry school? So I'll go first. I will say that I stayed sane because of my good friend Rochelle over here and going to happy hour on the regular on Fridays. We had a day, a weekly happy hour date at four o'clock at this restaurant called Bow Campers. They have free drinks for women and free appetizers. So, you know, we're not comedy school, so we were broke. So we made sure at four o'clock we were sitting in that bar for our drink and our free appetizers. So that was really important. And then we also went to church. We tried to go to church every single Sunday. That was a really big deal. And that really did help to keep us grounded throughout optometry school. The times where we thought like, dang, like this is just so hard. Like, I don't really know like how I'm staying above water. Like I can't keep stuff straight. Like going to church and having someone to go to church with and to share that spiritual bond with was invaluable. And I really do appreciate her friendship and thank her for that. Cause that was so important to me. And I'm gonna hand over to her, see what else she has to add. Yeah, so on top of what Tasani said, we also had our Thank God It's Thursday nights where we had our scandal watch parties and everything else. So just having that moment where you can get around your friends, your classmates, and just be normal, you know, just do things outside of school. Because if you get so up and just being in school, you're going to go crazy, literally go crazy. So being able to have those outlets and people to talk to, have a drink from time to time, go to Miami, go, you know, do a little, you know. Hey, Miami. Normal. Go to Miami and act normal. What's up? What's up? Drive. What's up? Ocean Drive, baby. Hey, crispy, crunchy chicken. Where you at? Hey, crunchy, crispy, crunchy, baby. What's happening? <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Location plays a big role, too, because everyone's not probably going to be in a location that we were in. I mean, I was yeah. able to the beach, study on the beach, switch up your locations, mm -hmm. you know, because it's so set and, oh, I have to study at home or, oh, I have to study at the library and not kind of switch it up from time to time. You're going to, I, me personally, I, I couldn't be in, a, in the same mode all the time. I had to switch it up. Um, working out. I took a, I mean, I was always, you know, going to the gym, not, not, not so much now, I need to, but I was going to the gym, I was doing Zumba, anything, every, literally every Zumba, and I met a lot of people outside of my class through stuff like that, too, so, you know, having all these other outlets is definitely a good way to keep you sane and keep you on the right track, because without that, I don't I think I would have survived. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the things you mentioned are pretty similar. Like church was important to Sonny. Uh, working out, me and Sola worked out a lot together. We were big on intramural sports within the class. Uh, greenhouse church activities, anything that comes up, we were trying to make that. We would take a break from studying just to go to a food truck invasion or just to go do something real quick. Just, you know, just to feel like we we're still normal human beings in the everyday life. So yeah, me every day so for me I was um I got married in optometry school I had a kid in optometry school by second year so I also had a family to go home to after I studied go home give them attention eat dinner go back out and study and do a lot again tomorrow so for me it was always for sanity 
is getting away from school. Sometimes even getting a break from, from the family life just to say, what, what's the me time that I need to be able to reset for tomorrow? Because you're always on the go. So I appreciate my wife for holding it down those years because, you know, trying to parent and school and still be a normal human being, it, you know, it was tough. But we got through it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all, everything you guys said, I mean, at, at the end of the day, to really answer the question, really just do whatever fills your tank, whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel normal, whatever makes you feel like yourself. School is a tank drainer. <laughs> it does yeah. everything to drain your whole existence, everything it can drain. It's going to drain you mentally. It's going to drain you physically because you're not sleep. People don't, you don't sleep. For four weeks in school, we don't. What is sleep? You don't sleep four hours, maybe. maybe You don't understand that. Like, we don't understand. If you are somebody who likes sleep, you better reconsider what you. You don't sleep, you know. And people who are in it right now, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you're only sleeping an average of four hours a night for the next four years. For for four years. You take naps in your car. I took naps in my car multiple times during school. People, they had that time. I had a selfie. Someone took a selfie. Put a note on my car and literally this man, it was kind of scary to think of it now, but we were literally across from our school is attached by the Dolphin Stadium. And this dude literally took a selfie with me, told me to look him up on Instagram and find it on there. I was wow. sleeping on on a break. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, man, what? So it's, it's going to drain you in every way possible. You know what I'm saying? So. You 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 need to you need to do whatever you need to do uh, to 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 fill yourself, fill it back up. And for me, for me, it was everything everyone said. I mean, I did all of the all of the above, man. Because at the end of the day, without that, we don't know how we would stay afloat. You know, we you know me a huge part of me is I, I'm always staying connected to my mission, my purpose. What am I here to do? What am I here for? So if I know God brought me this far, I know He's never going to be able. He not can't just drop me in and leave me. Say, peace, you got to be able to follow me, see me through this season of my life. You know what I'm saying? So I trusted that and I clinged on to that hope and that promise. So for me, it was always like, just keep hanging on. Um, and, and, you know, and, I, and, and thank God we all made it through. But, um, but while you're, well, you know, while you're in it, man, you're, you're, you're doing whatever you can to uh, stay afloat and uh, stay sane, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Wet, whole, you know, whole wellness, you know what I mean? It's very important in, when you go to all these professional schools, you know. Uh, we know people that have lost their lives due to, you know, different things or people who are uh, just going through mental mental issues and, you know, had to withdraw due to life circumstances. I mean, it, it's it's a miracle to start and finish, man. You know how much stuff you miss and how many things you go through, yeah. and how much you have to sacrifice family events, baby showers, weddings. And yeah. it's, I mean, you miss so much in your family. You miss so much of everything. Um, you know, it, it, you really you really do need to center yourself in every way possible, you know, in order to make it through. But thank God we, we all did so. Yeah, I'll definitely say the first year of any professional school, but I can only speak on Tommy school. It was definitely the hardest. It's the biggest adjustment. Like your brain is not used to functioning in hyperspeed. It's just not. But like after first year, it's not that it gets easier, but it becomes more manageable because your brain is now more conditioned into how you need to think and how you need to be able to really just cut off other things. Unfortunately, like your family 
you might not be able to go home all the time. You might not be able to talk to your parents all the time or talk to your friends all the time, but you still have to find a way to ground yourself so that you don't lose touch with who you were before you went to optometry school because you still are a whole person. You're not just an optometry student. You're not a robot. Like you have emotions, you have feelings, you have all these needs of a human and you're going to feel like the core of you is starved while you're in school because you're just trying to keep your head above ground, but you have to find an outlet, something that makes you feel like y'all said, makes you feel normal, makes you feel like you without losing it in school. Do you guys have anything else to add before we wrap up this podcast? Any other things you want to let the people know? No? All right, y'all. Stay, stay tuned to season two. Yeah, this was season one. We've done 10 episodes. So we have a lot of fun new things coming for you guys in season two. So I hope you guys are looking forward to it. Let us know if there's anything specific that you want us to touch on our next season. We can't wait to see y'all next time. Peace out, y'all. Yep. This is paint, guys. You've probably seen my hands many times. <laughs> this is paint, okay? Thank you for the disclaimer. We probably would have got comments. Well, we that. see you. We see you. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dr. Now, Dr. Lewis, what you doing over there? You painting or what? I'm painting, baby. That's what all you? I'm doing. Well, I'm getting ready to open up my private practice soon. So it's a big step into another direction. Yeah. Oh, Grand opening, baby. November the 1st. Very happy for him. Lo lots of details, lots of things to come. I've been on low key working behind the scenes, but eventually there's going to be that launch date that's going to be very exciting for me, my family, and of course, all of my friends and people who will support me this entire time. So mm -hmm. it's I'm nervous and excited at the same time, but I'm all in. All okay. in, baby. We're so happy <laughs> for you. So, so happy. Don't flop. Don't mess up. Don't just... blow it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Right. Peace out, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>